Hello and welcome to Automators, the productivity podcast, which is more about automating than it is about productivity. But let's hope that we can use all of these tips and tricks to get everything done in record time so that we can go and slack off later. I'm Rosemary Orchard and joined by David Sparks. Hi, David. How are you today? Hi, Rosemary. What an introduction. It includes slacking. I'm in. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind yeah. of the point of all of this, isn't it? You know, we do, we do things quickly and efficiently so that then we can just have fun the rest of the time. And uh, I'm sure today's guest is going to agree with us on that one. Welcome to the show, Kelly Gamont. Hi, I'm really excited to be back. Yeah, you know, it's always fun to talk to you about automation. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. And um, we we have a lot in the outline to cover today. But for folks who don't know you, Kelly, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, Well, I am on a lot of podcasts. Uh, I do the Mac Observer Daily Observations podcast five days a week. And uh, the rest of the time, I have my own show over on the Incomparable Network called I Want My MCU TV, where we talk about the latest Marvel show that's streaming on Disney+. Plus. I do that with um, Lisa Schmeiser and Don Melton. And uh, it's a whole lot of fun. I occasionally pop up on other podcasts there as well. We've talked about... I've done a few episodes of Football is Life, which is the Ted Lasso podcast over there, sure. and a few other things uh, as 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 stuff pops up that is something that I want to discuss. Um, I also have the After Show, with that, which is a show I host with Mike Rose. Uh, when we can get together and record, we put out episodes of that. And uh, the rest of the time, um, my day job is part of um, operations management at a company called Technolutionary, and we do um, IT for uh, like small and medium businesses, so managed service providing sorts of things. Well, I don't think you can be called a slacker. It's a I lot mean, of different you're things. Just too busy. <laughs> yeah, I, there. Every once in a while, uh, the stars will align, and I will get an entire day off. And uh, those are good days indeed. <laughs> you know, you, you have a podcast about Ted Lasso. I caught myself in that spot where everybody I met, I was telling to watch Ted Lasso. And I realized I was turning into that guy, you know? Uh-huh. So I actually made a rule that I'm only allowed to recommend it twice a week now. And um, <laughs> Okay. How are you keeping track of this, David? Is there a shortcut involved? Yeah. I don't know. But I feel like if I, if I recommend it on the podcast... I've used up all of my Ted Lasso recommendations for a long time. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. But Kelly, you are a very busy uh, person. I know uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. I remember us meeting back at Macworld, back when yes. there was a Macworld. And, um, but you are also a very tech-savvy person, particularly when it comes to Apple hardware. And um, I know that you do a lot of automation stuff, but... I don't know how you got started in it. What, you know, what led you down the garden path of automation? <laughs> well, um, it was sort of a one-two punch. So I live in Portland and uh, before Apple stores, Apple retail stores were a common site. Uh, most of the time, if you wanted sort of that retail experience, but to have it be around Apple products, you had to have an Apple authorized reseller where you were that had a storefront that you could actually go to. And there was one here that was called MacForce. They're still here, uh, but they're they're They don't look quite the same as they used to. They don't have the retail storefront anymore. And um, they were a, a place that I went all the time. They used to have OS release parties. And so like when the new version of Mac OS came out, you could go and like hang out with people and, 
and you know I'll get your nerd on and it was pretty great and every summer they used to have a barbecue called the summer blast and we would go and they would have uh like coupons for ice cream and you could get a hamburger and there were all these booths of like software vendors and things and I was there uh, for a company that I was working for at the time. And I ended up sitting next to Jean McDonald, who was there for Smile Software. And she, we got to talking and she gave me a license for Text Expander. And that was it. So that's, that was where I started was um, because I sat next to Jean who went, well, with Text Expander, like you type something small and it gives you like all the text that you decide you want that to be. So you should try it out. Here's a license. And uh, I was in tech support at the time. And so having something where it was going to be very easy to say, send like the 20 emails that I have to send out multiple times every day, uh, making that much easier and much more consistent every time was really, really nice. So yeah. uh, that text expanders, it was very much, you know, that first one's free kind of situation. So yeah. Well, it really is a gateway drug mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And, and, you know, for some people that's the end of the road, you know, you, you use text expander, mm -hmm. you get good at it. And like, if you're in customer support, that's really the, the best tool you could own. And maybe that's all you need, but, but there's so much more you can do. That's why we make the show. We want, we want you to come further down the rabbit hole with us. But, but no, I, I <laughs> think that text expander, it's a starting point for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so helpful because one of the things that I really appreciated about it was knowing these are the emails that I send out all the time and sort of instead of having a much nicer way to go about it than having to uh, have a Word document open all the time and scroll down to the one I actually want to use that I wrote really nicely one time and, you know, having to scroll through this giant wall of text in order to find the piece that is the answer to this person's question or whatever. And so having a much more efficient way to do that and be able to be effective at it was really, really nice. That word document is giving me tech support flashback nightmares. Oh my gosh, we used to have one of those. <laughs> Hated it. Hated it. I think everybody does at some point or there's like a, a web page internally or something, you know, mm -hmm. where like just the list of all the stuff is that you're supposed to have. So, yep. yeah, it, and it's hard. It's not easy to use that. It's not an elegant solution. And it's no fun to have to try and utilize it. And it, it ends up being less efficient over time. Like I could have typed this response the amount of time it takes me to find it in that Word document. Yep. Yeah, I think anytime you leave your app for text expansion, you've already lost. You know, it has to happen just right there, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. the, but now I happen to know that you're at this point, you are no longer a text expander newbie, but a, a text expander power user. <laughs> you know, yes. And drop some knowledge on us for folks out there who are using Text Expander or thinking about it. What what are some of the tricks you've picked up over the years? Uh first is um well and some inspiration I got from you, David, actually. Uh when Text Expander for iOS was released, uh a lot a lot of people, because it was a good example at the time when it was only on the Mac. Uh, their shortcuts start with a semicolon because mm -hmm. a semicolon does it, like if you're actually meaning to type a semicolon, there's never characters after it. So it makes a good way to start yeah. uh, a, a, a snippet shortcut. And so you changed yours. I, I don't remember if it was like, you know, XX or something yeah. like that, but I, I changed mine as well to um, mine. The ones I know I'm going to use on mobile start with QQ 
because mm-hmm. I know that's always going to be on and I don't ever type anything with two Qs next to each other. Yeah, like because when you're on a Mac, the semicolon is under your pinky. So that's a great starting character for a snippet. Yeah. I mean, the idea is you don't want your snippets to conflict with actual words. So you need usually put right. something weird at the beginning. Like if you put semicolon cell, you're not going to write cell phone by with a semicolon at the beginning unless you're trying to do a snippet. But and we all did that for years. And then the iPhone showed up and they put the semicolon on a separate keyboard. <laughs> so all of a yep. sudden it was so easy to hit semicolon and run a snippet. But then you're on an iPad and you've got to literally switch keyboards to get the semicolon. So I changed mine to X. So like X C E L L instead of semicolon C E L L. And it mm-hmm. took took like a half hour to go through and switch them all. But I, I had published about that early because if you're going to do it on an iPad or an iPhone, you do not want to have to switch keyboards. Yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah, that that's one. And, and it's the kind of thing I think sometimes doesn't get like, you don't stop and think about it because muscle memory just means you've been doing. Yeah. You know, you've been hitting semicolon for five years or 10 years or whatever. And so it makes it, you know, it never occurs to you like, what if that was something else? So um, that would be one of mine. Another of mine is uh, fill-ins. And uh, if there's uh, something that you can do that has, uh, generally it's going to be this thing, but maybe sometimes it needs to be changed. Uh, using a fill-in for that. So like, yes, I want to send it the default way this time. Um, or maybe you have like a little, you know, a, a different thing you need to change. My prime example of this one is uh, we get automated alerts uh, from all of the machines that I manage at work. And yeah. so we get automated alerts about uh, the hard drive is this percent full. And so I have an automated snippet for that email that says you need to clear up this many gigabytes of space. And usually it's like five. So I have a default value in there of five. So when I expand the snippet, it comes out and it automatically fills in five and I can leave it like that. Or I can go actually for this person, you know, it's 10 or it's 30 or whatever. And then I can change it if I need to, but I have a value for most of the time, which makes it a very easy thing to configure and send. Yeah. Um, and then the clipboard, anything you have with the clipboard, it would be the the other pro tip I can give people um, make sure like if there's something where you need to copy and paste something into something else uh, see if there's a way to use the the clipboard for that because the the clip automatically inserting the clipboard um, as part of different snippets makes it really really easy to do yeah and build something useful amen yeah the clipboard and the fill-ins those are awesome tools and it makes you feel almost like you're a programmer right you feel very fancy when you start doing those fill-ins do. yes. yeah particularly you add a pop-up menu to something and and it works you know or um letting text expander do the date math for you like part of what i like about it is if you set up something like that once like you could be done you know as long as you're effective at it the one time then, mm-hmm. you know, then, then you're solid. So like, I think probably my, honestly, my number one text expander snippet is probably, uh, the one I have that is PCB, which is plain clipboard. And so it's a plain text snippet and it's the contents of my clipboard. And that's, I use that constantly throughout the day because I never want whatever the formatting is that was part of where it came from or where it's going. I don't want to break any of it. So here, just have some nice ordinary text that I pasted, that I copied from wherever. And it doesn't matter because that plain clipboard snippet clears it up. Yeah. If you've ever like copied something from the web 
and then try to paste it into a document, you you have had this experience of like suddenly it's a, a bizarre font with hyperlinks and a bunch of other strange coding in it, and like your document looks crazy. And this plain mm-hmm. clipboard, all it strips all of that out and just gets plain text. And I agree they that that should like come on the box for text expander. That one, you know, it should be like right on the box. <laughs> yes, not that we buy boxes anymore, but you know what I mean. It should be part of the the setup, you know, like the one where, uh, you know, give us uh, give us your name and give us your email address, you know, and, and set those up or like the date, you know, the the sort of prefab snippets that definitely would be one. And I also like it for small words like people like I love text expander for my, you know, here's the five paragraphs of whatever it is, you know, and I typed five characters to to spit all of that out. But also like if the word if there's a word you type a lot that is sometimes that is sometimes uh, open to interpretation, if you're typing really quickly, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, sometimes those are really good snippets too. Like I spell the word version wrong a lot because I just do, and so I have a snippet for when I type it wrong to automatically just correct it for me that one word, and then I don't have to go back for it. I do the same thing with separate because. Uh, the other thing is, is sometimes I don't remember if it's the A or the E and what is it that I'm doing here? And wait, what, mm-hmm. what was I writing? And so now I've just, I've, I've got it set up so that that's it. It just comes out the right way every single time. And, you know, it's it's that sort of thing as well that shows, you know, that you, you're putting effort into your work, not having typos like that in there. So cleaning those yeah. up, you know, it makes you feel good as well, just knowing that they don't happen anymore. Yeah. Pro- proper names are another good one. Like if you... Have yes. somebody has a strange spelling for their name. The last thing you want to do is send somebody correspondence and misspell their name. You know. Yes. I actually once I sent a um. There was a a judge whose name was Jackman, and I his first name wasn't Hugh, but I wrote a <laughs> brief and sent it to him as Hugh Jackman, <laughs> and I don't know why oh. in my head I I made his first name <laughs> Hugh Jackman, and then I showed up for the oral argument and he said. Mr. Sparks, I just want you to know that I really appreciate how handsome you think I am that you would confuse me with Hugh Jackman. And I just turned like <laughs> five shades of red in open court. <laughs> Text Expander could have helped me that At least he took day. it well. Yeah. At least he yeah. took it well. Yeah, yeah yes. after he retired, I, I talked to him about it. He thought it was funny. But the, uh, yeah, it, you know, the Text Expander could have helped me it that was... day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, something else you told me you do with Text Expander that I don't think we really talk about enough is you said you use it a lot on mobile. And I think a lot of folks uh, mm-hmm. use it primarily on Mac. And could you talk about the experience on mobile and some of the tricks you use for that? Yeah. So um, this comes from, <clears throat> interestingly enough, this comes from my husband, uh, who is known in podcast circles as Mr. Kelly. Um because I used to work at full disclosure, I used to, I did work for a time at Smile Software doing text expander technical support. So uh, I had obviously I had access to it. I'm a I'm a huge fan. I was a huge fan before I started working there. But uh, I got Mr. Kelly all set up with it, and um, he was using it for something. Or somebody asked him about like an app on his phone, and it was it was text expander they were asking about, and he said. You know how when you fill out stuff on your phone, it's really easy to get your email address wrong? What if you could fix that? Was what he said to this person. <laughs> and I went, oh my God, that's exactly what the mobile, like the mobile experience needs is like, 
being able to type something on your phone and know it's correct and not having to rely on autocorrect to make sure of that. Um, so that's the thing that I like it for. And again, I like it for very small things. Uh, email addresses, um, because I don't have all of them in contacts. And so they're not always auto suggested to me, mm-hmm. uh, like I want them to be. And sometimes the web page doesn't know any better. So like, Safari can't tell that it's something that wants contact information. So I don't always even get the option to fill in that field with an email address. So being able to have something like that where my email address is easily enterable correctly and I know it's right, even though I didn't type it because I typed it right once when I set it up in Text Expander. So as long as I know what snippet I need, I can do it that way very quickly. Um, I also like it for. Um, small things that I put in emails. So if I'm trying to reply to somebody right away and need to talk to that, you know, you can give me a call at and, you know, have my phone number in there. And I know I've typed it right. Uh, being able to to use it uh, because I do a fair amount of stuff on mobile. So uh, not just on my phone, but also on my iPad, like triaging email or I just need to tell somebody OK or something like that. Um, I have some some automated replies that I can use for some of that. And I very much appreciate it in that respect. And, uh, because there's, there's not a lot of formatting I have to worry about. So the, my, my clipboard snippets don't get quite the mileage on my, my phone or my iPad, but, um, anything where I need to fill in an email address or my shipping information or, um, uh, other little, uh, small quotes, like that sounds good. I'll talk to you then, you know, or, or little things like that, that I can use that are, that are easy to, to make sure that I'm still communicating with people effectively. So um, I use them for for that stuff. And then small fun things like my Nintendo Switch friend code I have as a text expander mm-hmm. snippet and my Pokemon Go friend code I have as a text expander snippet uh, so that it's easy to share them with other people. And then it, it, and, and I know I got it correct and I don't have to go through all the hassle of copying out and pasting it somewhere else every time. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, the forms that don't correctly identify the fields within them are one of the those things that just end up aggravating everybody, but especially on mobile, because iOS, you know, nowadays is much better about suggesting your contact information, assuming it's got it for all of these things. Yeah. But it, it, it can't do it if it doesn't know that the field that you're typing into is an email field or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one recently. I was trying to sign up for something. Neither the email field nor the password field were marked as such. So iOS yeah. just couldn't suggest that I use one password for it. And actually the one password Safari extension wasn't working either. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I ended up split screening on my iPad to deal with that, which was not great. Um, yeah. But at the very least, you know, I, I I could use my expansions to type in my email address. I just needed to use one password to generate the password. Mm-hmm. Kelly, how do you trigger your snippets on mobile? A lot of people don't know how to do that. Uh, well, you can uh, switch to the keyboard. And so uh, I, this is one of those times where um, I have basically overthought something to the ultimate degree. <laughs> so um, I have gone in and reordered my keyboards such that uh, the text expander keyboard is the one at the bottom of the list. So when I press down on the globe, I just slide my thumb up a tiny bit and automatically, and then when I let go on the text expander keyboard, it switches to it automatically. And then if you just tap on it, I think it takes you back to the default automatically because the top keyboard on my list is the default English keyboard. So um, if I, 
if I hold on the globe and slide up to the text expander keyboard, I can type my snippets and do what I need to do and then just tap the globe a second time and it takes me back to English. And so um, that's how I'm able to flip between them really easily because I do things like reorder all my keyboards <laughs> so that the menu looks how I want it. Kelly, you think that means you overthink things and that just tells me that you are my kind of nerd. <laughs> Well, let me tell you a story about how I've laid out all the apps on my home screen based on which hand my my I hold my phone in for that particular activity. All right, we got to go there. You, okay, let's hear yeah. it. <laughs> You're going to tell us now. You open Pandora's box. You got to okay. give us the answer. Well, all right. So, uh, in when when I uh, occasionally drive places. Uh, I usually want to use maps, and if I want to use maps, so what I normally what I do. Um, I don't have to worry about lots of traffic for the most part. So I just want to sort of glance at it and go, uh, you know, I know how to get where I'm going. Is there an accident or is there construction I don't know about? And so I just want to look at maps really quick. So with my phone in my right hand, the place to have maps is on the bottom row, um, not the furthest right icon, but the next to the, the you know, it would be the third in a row of four across the mm -hmm. screen. So that when I hold my phone, I'm a pinky perch person. So when I hold my phone in my right hand, that's where maps is the thing I want the easiest access to. So it sits on the right hand side of the screen. So because most of the time my phone lives in my left hand, because I am left handed, then I have uh, messages and music and my home apps in the dock um, from left to right so that I can access the things that I need most of the time, the easiest by having them um, in the dock so that they're there on any page. But then the stuff that I use the most is going to be in the lower left-hand corner of any page because that's where my thumb goes. That makes sense. I I'm, I get it. I, I Yeah. Uh, I mean, have you experimented with the focus modes and changing your your um, home screen so that you end up with different things based on different, you know, I don't know, times of day or something? So, for example, during the work focus mode, you've got different things um, because I imagine that tied with your actual thinking about where all these apps belong on your on your home screen, you know, in depth would really possibly boost your productivity there. I've dabbled in focus modes. I haven't spent a bunch of time yet. Um, but also I have a separate work phone and a separate right. work computer. So I don't have so generally like my work focus is um I just don't have stuff on on my phone. Um <laughs> like, Fair it's, enough. it's it's mostly do not disturb or not. Um, for the most part, uh, when I when I'm doing stuff like that, but I'm I'm looking at how I can make those more effective uh, because I do I would like to make sure that I have a podcasting focus mode set up uh, so that none of my devices make noise if I don't want them to, uh, and and have that be an easy thing to fix. So and as opposed to just do not disturb. Yeah. So yeah, I have a podcasting yeah. focus mode and it's enabled right now, which is fabulous. Turns out that my automation to enable that automatically at times for podcasting uh, is working. So I'm I'm quite pleased about that. Um, but yeah, that like that that's the sort of thing where I think people don't necessarily think about it. And it's not necessarily actually automation in that sense of you know you're not having the app automatically open when you think about the word maps. Um, mm -hmm. That would be pretty cool. Possibly also a little <laughs> creepy, um, but um, you know, you, yeah. you know, by putting it in the place where it's easy to reach, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Have you ever done that thing where you've downloaded a, an app that replaces another app, um, and then you put it in the same spot so that you 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 start hitting that one instead? Um, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I've also done uh, like this lives in the dock for a while or this lives on the first page for a while just so that it's a thing that I see all the time so that I remember that it's the thing I'm supposed to be tapping on instead of whatever I was using before. So, yeah, I've definitely done that. The I know what yeah, I know what's supposed to live there, so I'm just going to keep hitting that, and it's a different different yep. app than it was before or something. But I know it's that spot, so yeah, yeah. That's how I trained myself out of using Instagram so much. I put all me focus in its place, um, and bam, <laughs> that, that will do. Out of getting a lot more done. Rose, we're going to do a future episode just breaking down all of our focus modes because I'm using all ten, and I, I think we got a show there. Let's do that one day. Oh, I'm sure we do. Yeah. I'm sure we do. There are several. <laughs> yeah, there's so many uses. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators and post a job for free. These days, small business owners are busier than ever, and spending time searching for the right candidates can feel like you're just taking time away from growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. When you're hiring for your business, you want to make sure you find the right people. And that's not easy. Not only do you need to get the right skill set, you need to have the right connection, the right chemistry. You want this person to shine in your workplace. LinkedIn Jobs can help you with just that. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a free job post in minutes. This will reach out to your network and beyond, to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools in LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators and find that right person for your workplace. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. All right, Kelly, this next topic is one that is completely selfish for me. Um, <laughs> You make a few podcasts, as you had said earlier, um, but uh, you have a set of Keyboard Maestro scripts that you have generated to help you in that process. I understand that everybody listening in the audience is making a podcast, but hopefully the ideas Kelly's about to share can help you figure out some for whatever it is you do. And what she's about to share will definitely help me. So here we go. <laughs> okay. Kelly, tell me about your Keyboard Maestro podcasting short uh, automations. Okay, so um, there's there's a little bit to it, and uh, mostly it's uh, using Keyboard Maestro for uh, timestamps mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of things. So I got um, a set of Keyboard Maestro macros from Dave Hamilton, <clears throat> who does Mac yeah. Geek Gab. He does the small business show uh, Gig Gab and shows up on Daily Observations with me sometimes over at Mac Observer. And so he had, he put together this library of uh, keyboard maestro macros. And part of what they do is make it so that 
uh, when so you can be capturing, but then when you actually hit record, it resets the clock on Audio Hijack back to zero on your session. So that uh, and then once you do that, uh, and like for for me, for example, the one that I do, um, it resets everything to zero, and then it invokes uh, Farago, Farago uh, from audio, also from from Rogue Amoeba. Uh, to play the intro theme music for daily observations. And then I have a plain text file. And when we switch topics, I have a keyboard shortcut that input that just scoops the time out of Audio Hijack and drops it in my text file so that I have all the chapter notes ready to go from the moment that we're done. And then uh, as soon as we're done recording, uh, there are no edits on daily observations. It's uh, very run and gun. So uh, I play the intro music live. Uh, we have our conversation. I play the outro music. I stop recording. And then I take that file and send it off to post-production with a service called Auphonic. And then um, Auphonic takes that and my text file of show notes and puts them together as here are the chapter marks with the times. And if there are links, there the, the links link out to everything they need to go to. And it makes it very easy because I'm basically done at the end of recording, like I don't have to go dig up what was that timestamp again and go back and listen to myself a bunch, uh, which is not always fun for me. And, and I can go and uh, make and like all my timestamps are ready to go as long as I hit it when the topic changed and I know I've got the right time in that timestamp. Then uh, it makes it very easy for the the show notes to sort of fall together very quickly. So. That's one that I use a lot. Yeah, and Dave wrote this up for the web. He's got a, a post over at Mac Observer sharing the scripts. And I'm looking through them. I see a few changes I'm going to make, but I am completely cribbing this from you guys. <laughs> yes. Very smart. Pulling the start time out of Audio Hijack. That's the that's the trick. And um, That's the bit I've always struggled with. And what I ended up doing was at my macro um, for something similar was taking screenshots and cropping them down. Yeah. <laughs> which oh. is just you know i mean it worked i had all the information there so i could go back and modify it later but it really felt like i was doing it wrong i can't believe i didn't find this post yeah. um <laughs> so yeah there we go well it is from 2016 uh it's almost exactly five years old now and uh but like being able to do this effectively just makes it easier and and it works for everything. So if I have all the links ready to go, then the show notes are done the minute where we stop recording. But if I but if I also have like I can make a note there like for an edit point or something, uh, you know, here's a spot where I have to, you know, uh, somebody got disconnected. So, you know, here's where the the audio got weird. And then I can have, you know, the next timestamp for when we got it all cleared up. Let's come back and, you know, OK, we're going to come back and you know, and try and pick up the show again, you know, afterwards. So it makes it very easy to do that. And it makes it possible for daily observations to go out every day. Because if I had to spend a, a truckload of time going back and getting timestamps or typing them by hand while someone else is talking or while I'm talking and introducing the next subject and that, you know, trying to do all of that at once would be too hard. So um, it it is one of the things that makes it possible for us to uh, put the daily observations podcast out daily. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I just love the way everybody in the automation community is so generous with this stuff and shares ideas. And like that gives me ideas that I can now use and kind of, you know, evolve upon what you guys have done. So I, uh, that's awesome. And uh, 
we won't we won't yeah. dwell on this one, but there's a post and you can download the keyboard maestro script if you have a need to to run timestamps. This is going to be a game changer for you. Um but you also have one that we talked about as we were prepping for today that I think everybody needs to hear about. Tell us about your AirPods, Kelly. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my my setup, um, as I mentioned, like I have I have a day job and then I have obviously my own computer. So because I have a work phone and a work laptop, and I have my own phone and my own laptop and my own iPad. Uh, and there's another phone around here somewhere. Um, so there's a lot of devices that are here that are all completely happy to connect to my AirPods regardless. So um, I had this problem with my AirPods. I have it with uh, my AirPods Pro. I've upgraded. Uh, Mr. Kelly is now a happy AirPods user. And I got a, a pair of Pros. And when I put my when I take my AirPod Pros out of the case and stick them in my ears, they're connected 100% of the time. And the dev- and me knowing what device they are connected to happens about 2% of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I know they're connected to something, but I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> and so I built a shortcut that is two steps. And I have this on my personal phone and I have it on my work phone. And what I do, the name, it's named headphones. So if I say headphones, hey lady headphones, uh, it will invoke the shortcut and only like my personal phone listens to me say, hey, lady, but on my work phone, I have to press the side button for it. So I'm not mm-hmm. sort of setting them up to compete against each other in like Bluetooth connection cage matches or anything. <laughs> so um, so when I invoke it, I say headphones and it t- it sets the audio output to my AirPods. And then the second step is play i think it just says play sound is the option in shortcuts and that way i know when the sound plays if it came out of my headphones that my headphones are actually connected to the right thing and then i know for sure because i'm usually holding my phone in my hand so it's very near me so if my sound is on and i hear that's done like was it my headphones or was it not my headphones and sometimes it's hard to tell and the the tone the little three-tone when that plays it's very easy to tell that's right happening in my headphones or it's coming out of the speaker and so it makes it very easy for me to know 100% where my airpods are connected and that's the part that um I definitely need all of the time (laughs) so like if I'm sitting at my computer it's easy to just hook them up you know click on the bluetooth menu but the rest of the time like they're connected to something and I just need to be able to figure out I need to confirm which one it is so that I can make my phone call, join my conference call, listen to music, whatever I'm doing. Okay. Can I just say that I love this automation for like a bunch of reasons. And and the first is that it works, you know, uh, the AirPods are supposed to switch between devices, but, um, how does Apple know which device I want to be using when I've got two or three of them sitting around me at the same time? Um, mm-hmm. so you know, it, it's not, it, it almost would be creepy if they did know exactly which one I wanted every time. But uh, the other thing I love about this is, you know, we do this show automators and we talk to a lot of people about automation and some people have very complicated, you know, very deep JavaScript automation that does amazing things. And I love that stuff, but I want the listeners to know that you don't have to do that to make a very useful automation. In this case, Kelly made a Really, it's a one-step automation in shortcuts. It's setting the the output to the AirPods. 
And and then you were smart enough to realize, well, Siri will allow me to trigger that shortcut with its name. So I'll give it a name that's easier to say, something like headphones. And then the extra step of having to play the tone is just a confirmation. It's really a one step, but a, you've written it as a two-step automation. And we'll get a screenshot or a link or something from Kelly so you can see it if this is new to you. But I just love that you made this very simple automation that just in, makes your life so much easier. You know, good on you, Kelly. It really is great. And I, I particularly like the the addition of the play audio because I think one of the things that Apple didn't really factor in to uh, this automated switching, because as you said, it, it it connects to the right the device that you're expecting it to connect to about 2% of the time. It's probably because, like me, when you put your AirPods in, it's not because you're going to continue using the device you were just actively using. It's because mm-hmm. you're about to switch devices to something else and do a completely different task. Um, yeah. And that's that's the point where the automation of, I'm going to pick which thing I think you were using last fails miserably because it does the same thing um, when it comes to responding to our Hey Apple Lady requests, um, where yeah. the you know our HomePods, our iPads, our iPhones have a little conference between themselves incredibly quickly to figure out which one of us are you talking to? Um, yeah. And I mean, it's amazing that they do that, but they still get it wrong sometimes. Though, um, if you haven't uh, turned this um, around, you can actually make sure that your phone doesn't respond if you leave it face down. By default, if your phone is face down, um, it won't listen to you. You can change that in settings, um, but uh, that 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 can be quite useful to make sure your phone is not picking things up. Like if, if you start trying to do something um, and your phone is the one that's lighting up responding and you've got a HomePod right there, first of all, it should be using the HomePod, but if you just flip your phone face down, <laughs> um, then it shouldn't do that. I wish, though, it could uh, incorporate that with the uh, the Bluetooth AirPods connection because that would be pretty good. Yeah, I would very much like if I had the opportunity, like sometimes I really do want to connect them to my computer uh, or sometimes I really do want to connect them to my iPad, but not always. And like you said, um, it's the sw- it's the switching gears and the two percent comes from uh, there are times when I am like I'm getting ready to go do yard work or I'm going to go mow the lawn or something. And so when I put my headphones in, then that's a thing that that totally works um, because none of my other devices are around me. And so the thing I connected them to is the thing I know they're connected to. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to actually be in exactly the right situation for <laughs> all of that. And, you know, yes. that, that, that can be a little bit tricky, um, you know, and devices anticipating exactly what it is that we intend to do at the moment that we intend to do them. Technology's not there yet, and maybe it never will be, and maybe that's for the best. But certainly, it's got a long way to go before it figures all of this out. I know uh, the the recent thing that uh, comes to mind is the the shared with you stuff, um, where you know somebody sent yeah. me a picture in a message or something, and I open Safari, and Safari's going, "Hey, this was shared with you." And it's like, "Cool, yeah," but I tapped on that in messages, and I've already seen it. <laughs> I've seen it already. Yeah. yeah. Like, why are you like, still suggesting this to me? I've already seen it and read it. We're, we're good. We're done. I have like news stories from a week or more ago. You know, somebody sends me a link to something and it's still like I open a new tab in Safari and it's still there. Like, hi. And I'm like, yeah, I, we've done this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Been <laughs> there. Done there? that. Don't really yeah. want it again. But also, I don't actually want to delete it from my from my messages history because it's part of the conversation it's nice to be able to go back and attribute that to the right person when you're remembering things or see it in context of the comments that you were making and and so on and so forth 
Um, so I think I think maybe there's some improvements to go there. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, because uh, I if it did know which thing I wanted to use, I feel like that would be worse. Just for the implication of, uh, you know, my my AirPods know what thing I'm gonna do next. Like I don't feel like that's improvement. I'm happy to have to sort of steer every once in a while and make sure that things are are working like they should. So I just sort of um, I it's nicer to have a little bit of control over it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, generally like, uh, when I have, cause I have a meeting at the same time every day. So my AirPods are good about switching, you know, at that point, if that's the first time I put them in my ears. Uh, so being able to, uh, sort of boss them around easily has, is, is super helpful just with, with a very small shortcut. And that's one of the things I like about shortcuts, making that easier to do instead of having to try to, you know, create something that's, a URL that takes me right to the Bluetooth options in settings, you know, or something like that. Like it's just easier to pick up my phone and say headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Setting your audio output, I think is something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about as an automation. But for me, it's actually part of some of the automations I use most frequently with with shortcuts and NFC tags. You know, I tap my phone on this NFC tag um, and it'll start playing um, this particular playlist, whatever it is, um, and it'll set my audio output to my HomePod in my office because, you know, I want to listen to some music in my office and it, it's great. Yeah. And then from there, I can easily share it to other speakers around the house or not, depending on my mood and, and thoughts. Um, but, you know, it is something that I i mean, I used to have that as part of my leaving work everyday shortcut. I, it would take me to the, the clock out screen um, so that I could, you know, clock out from work. Um, and the login for that was a bit finicky. So I wasn't unfortunately able to script it. Um, and it would set my audio output to my AirPods and start playing some music. Um, All right, Rose, and, Rose, and I got to know, when you're yeah. leaving work, what is your anthem? What's your song? When you're leaving work, there wasn't any particular anthem or song. What it was doing is, um, I so it was actually kind of tied into my on my way to work shortcut. So when I got to work, I would run a shortcut, um, and then that would take whatever I was playing and it would just note it down. Um, and then I was trying to use magic within that to figure out what to play. So if I've been listening to a podcast on the way to work, it would try to play uh, Overcast on the way home. Um, and this was very, very finicky and not very stable, but, uh, it always got some interesting results and usually gave me some ideas of things to debug on the way home from work. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it never really got working quite right, but it, it, I got close. I got close. I feel like when you're going into work, it should play the, uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. I mean, that would have been really useful when I woke up late today and I, I was there, you know, looking at the clock going, oh, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I've got, I've got plenty of time before stand up is in three minutes. OK, time to go. Time to go. Time to go. <laughs> it's all doable with shortcuts, baby. It's all doable. Actually, shortcuts did indeed help me um, because they turned on all the lights in my office to make sure that I wouldn't be in the dark for stand up. And that's that's something that actually happens automatically now. Um, I, I need to. um uh, make sure that that, I mean, the problem is you can't check your focus mode in shortcuts. And this is something that I feel is just like a major missing piece. If shortcuts mm -hmm. could check your focus mode, that'd be great because I only want my lights in my office to turn on to a hundred percent before stand up. If it's both suitably dark enough, that's relatively easily solved by a light sensor. But also if I'm in my work focus mode, if I'm not working, then I, you know, I've got the day off or something that I don't want the lights in my office to suddenly turn on 100% yeah. a couple of minutes before stand up. Um, that's that's not 
the goal. Um, so I need to figure out what I'm going to do there. But problem for another time. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Hunter Douglas. With Hunter Douglas's range of innovative window shade designs, you'll be able to outfit your home with fantastic fabrics and advanced control systems, helping your home become more comfortable, stylish, and relaxing any time of day. Hunter Douglas's shades diffuse harsh sunlight, instead casting a beautiful glow across the room. With their adaptability, you can enjoy the view outside a window without needing to give up your privacy. You'll benefit from better insulation at home, keeping you warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer, all while lowering your energy bills. And you can bring all of this together with Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology. This ensures your shades will automatically adjust themselves to give you the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation any time of day. Hunter Douglas shades are compatible with all your favorite home automation systems, including Amazon Alexa, Apple HomeKit, Google Assistants, if this and that, and more. I know listeners of this show would really love to be able to automate this stuff themselves too, helping them integrate their shades with the other products in their home, and you can get that control with Hunter Douglas. So you can live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Go to hunterdouglas.com slash automators today to take advantage of their season of style rebate savings events. That's hunterdouglas.com slash automators for limited time savings. Offer expires December 6th, 2021. Our thanks to Hunter Douglas for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Kelly, uh, before the break, we started to wade into the waters of HomeKit automation. And I know you were a little hesitant at the beginning to do HomeKit, but I also know that you kind of dove in at this point. So yeah. what's the state of HomeKit for Kelly and, and what, you know, what are your automations for it? Well, uh, it sort of became more important uh, about a year ago <laughs> because last November, uh, Apple released the HomePod Mini and my birthday is in November. And so I said I wanted one for my birthday. And I got one and set it up in the kitchen uh, because it was a place I wanted to have a nice speaker that was a thing that I could also talk to if uh -huh. I wanted. And so I set it up in the kitchen as sort of a test. And we had a number of um, Echo units in our house. So like one Echo base and some Echo dots um, scattered around. And I sort of... And most of what they were doing was uh, checking the weather and turning on and off lights because I have an embarrassment of hue bulbs uh, scattered throughout my <laughs> That house. is a good collective word and for hue bulbs because so they're fabulous, but also quite pricey. Yes. Uh, so there, there are many. And um, so being it, so most of what they, most of what these uh, assistant devices were doing was just, uh, you know, it's going to rain today or it's going to rain tomorrow because that's like always the weather here. And then um, uh, here, uh, turn on the lights, turn off the lights. And that was really about it. So um, I got this HomePod mini and then uh, they started going on deals at Costco. And so they would be like 10 or $15 off. So every once in a while, uh, Mr. Kelly would go to Costco and come home with another one. And so I just sort of had to find <laughs> places to put them. <laughs> so, so basically you had the triple problem with HomePod minis. A little bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, like, it, you know, there'd just be one sitting uh, on the counter, you know, and then it was, so that was just sort of a hint to me, like go find a place that this needs to be set up. 
so we now have uh, so we have them in all the places that the the um, Amazon devices were, and so now uh, I've sort of been uh, working everything into working properly with HomeKit so that. Um, it was worth it to actually start deploying those everywhere and and make them things that that it was actually useful to be able to tell her to open the door or open the garage door or close the garage door, turn on and off lights and uh, set up some basic scenes for things like uh, we just had Halloween, like the Halloween lighting, uh, setting things up with with Christmas lights, which is another uh, couple of automations that uh, I've I've built because uh, we do a whole lot of Christmas mm-hmm. at my house. So uh, having Christmas lights easily automatable and um, being able to set up set up stuff. So uh, like we have some of the the LED strips from from Hue and those are in the, the front windows of the house. I have like two great big front windows. And so one will be red and one will be green during Christmas time. And like for Halloween, they were purple. And I have this app that sort of makes them go brighter, 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 dimmer, dimmer, dimmer like the house is breathing. Ah. And so it's like this purple and then I've got a little Bluetooth speaker that sits in the front yard and and it will play like the the cue music from the Haunted Mansion, you know, and it, and then the house is breathing as you come up the walkway. And so, yeah, uh, being able to do that stuff and then, and then go, oh, okay, well, you know, it's late enough. I can just turn it all off without having to go mm. outside makes it very, very convenient. Yeah, I bet. Which app are you using to do the effects with the hue lights? Because that's one of the things... I have played with in a couple of different ways, and I'm currently using a great app called Signals for HomeKit, um, which basically will let me run a shortcut action and that will do things like flash my lights or something. And I've got this attached to my snooze. So if I snooze my alarm in the morning, it flashes the lights in my bedroom obnoxiously bright and then sets them (laughs) fairly bright um, as a, hey, Rose, you know that that thing about oversleeping? That's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. prompt. Um, but I've not had anything for, um, for, um, you know, like actual effects that are continuous because the signals for HomeKit, they are supposed to be a signal. So they're short and then they stop and that's Mm -hmm. it. Um, so what are you using for this? Yeah. Um, I think I'm not going to remember the one, uh, for the breathing, but I've used, uh, Ambify is one that I've used for, uh, with music. Mm -hmm. So I do have a bunch of them in the in uh, my house has a basement. So I have a bunch of hue lights in the basement and uh, I will turn them on with uh, music and Ambify. And I have another one called uh, I Light Show. And the two of those will do um, if you are playing music, they will change the lights to the music yeah. so that you get you. Yeah. So uh, every once in a while, I will turn my basement into a discotheque because that's a fun yes. thing to do. I do something similar <laughs> with an old Airport Express and my Nanoleaf uh, light panels on the wall because uh, I have the original Nanoleaf panels and the rhythm module for those has got a, an aux in. So I don't have to play yeah. my music super loud. All I do is I airplay to all of the destinations that I want to airplay to and set the volume of the Air, uh, Airport Express to maximum um, because that massively increases the effect. Um, and uh, bam, yeah. it, it works. Um, but yes, it's... Uh, it's certainly been an experience trying to get that there, but I, I'm going to have a, another look for uh, all of these things with the Hue app because uh, I've got more colored Hue stuff now, um, and I think it's I think it's time to get back into that and start playing. 
Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And particularly, this is another one of those things where um, if you sit down and spend like 10 or 15 minutes, uh, like there's something that you could make better than it is right now with the the lights the 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 lights that you have you know the if they're smart bulbs or if you have smart switches or something uh just sit down for a minute and like you know every day when i come home i want this to happen you know or something like that and being able to to just dedicate a very small amount of time it'll be very obvious very quickly like this is always what i find when i'm trying to figure out what's the if there's a problem i'm trying to solve or something uh just spending a few minutes on it uh, sometimes we'll get you most of the way to where you need to go, which makes it really nice. So just sit down and go, yeah, you know, I'm tired of coming home in the dark because it was daytime when I left. And, uh, you know, and so I didn't have the lights on. And then I came home and it was dark. And now I'm coming home and and the house is dark. So every time you come home, have the light come on. Okay. You know, like that, yeah. that and kind of thing. I've is- limited that to after sunset for me. So when I come home and it's after sunset, it turns yeah. on the lights. Um, though maybe I should start using my light sensor for that instead, because, uh, of course, clouds. You're familiar with this concept, Kelly. David has no idea what a cloud is. He lives in a desert. David has no idea yeah. what we're talking about. What, what but is this a- fluffy thing you speak of? I don't know exactly. what you're talking about. Um, but, uh, yeah. There was a show about it on Discovery. I can find uh, something. There we go. There we okay. go. <laughs> I mean, anything that's called cumulonimbus, I just doubt its existence by its very name. <laughs> As long as it doesn't have a number after it and somebody's claiming that it does something, you know, magical like fly, I think we'll be all right uh, with that. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, something Kelly said that really resonated with me is like spend 10 or 15 minutes like and and make it a little better. Because when with HomeKit, my experience is once you just make one, then making the next one is only going to take five to 10 minutes. You you will like build your skill set in this stuff very quickly. Mm hmm. And that that's what has helped me a lot is uh, also like starting very small also made that a very easy thing to do. So like having a shortcut that was two steps um, and then being able to go, OK, well, that was you know, that was a shortcut. Let's look at what automations look like, because that seems a lot like a shortcut. So I'm going to see if I can uh, build something in HomeKit, you know, that'll do certain things uh, when I invoke it in a particular way. And uh, and it was very easy because I had started small to turn it into uh, something that was going to be usable right away and make it something very easy to do. So that was part of where uh, I found it very handy to sort of get in slowly, I guess, uh, and kind of tiptoe in uh, because it made it a lot easier to, you know, well, in order to do the thing I need to do, it's maybe it's three steps. And so, you know, add uh, like Rosemary's shortcut, add the um uh the if it's sunset you know if it's if it's after sunset then make sure you turn the light on when i come home and just being able to take some very basic things and find out what's available to you as you know in order to help you solve that problem so like i would say the thing same thing as like control center like if you spend 10 minutes making all the buttons in control center the things that you actually need them to be like control center all of a sudden becomes super duper useful you know, and it's not useful to a lot of people depending on what's in there now. So put this in it or, you know, add the calculator or add the Apple TV remote or take away the Apple TV remote and make it something else that you use a lot instead. And it's it's really about um, sort of coming at it fresh every time and being able to go, 
okay, this is the problem I'm trying to solve and be able being able to see it for what it is and not just, well, this is the way things are. I guess I just come home and it's dark and there's nothing to be done. You know, um, like if you've been doing that your whole life and now all of a sudden, like, you know, you have to stop and think about this, having this other option to do it instead. Now, are your are your home kit automations primarily light based? Have you gone down the rabbit hole of anything else? You know, there's a lot of other home kit stuff these days. Oh, there is. Uh, mostly it's lights, um, partly bulbs and partly switches. I have a couple of Wemo switches for places where, uh, there are no hue bulbs. And, uh, I have in, in automation, it's not in home kit yet. Uh, I can't control it that way. I have a different brain for it, but, uh, all of the landscape lighting and, uh, stuff that we have out in our yard and that sort of stuff that all happens on a schedule that we set up through, um, a different, home automation, but, uh, the lights come on 15 minutes before sunset and then they stay on for, I think three hours or something after that. And, and then, uh, certain ones kick off, but like the porch light stays on all night and, you know, but the yard lights all turn off after a certain amount of time and stuff like that. So, um, there's been mostly it's, it's light based, uh, we do have an Ecobee thermostat. So I have that all set up for like, if nobody's home, uh, you know, make sure that you can adjust the temperature a little, you know, you don't have to be running the whole time if nobody's here and things like that. So I do have some of that stuff set up. And we just recently got a new uh, doorknob that is HomeKit compatible so that um, it makes getting in and out of that particular door a little mm. easier because you don't have to have the keys for it now. Yeah. So yeah, that was one of the things that really, um, you know, improved, uh, you know, it sounds silly that a smart lock improved my life, but now I get out the car and I talk to my watch. I talk to my watch because usually my phone is still connected to CarPlay um, at that point because I've got wireless CarPlay, but I talk to my watch and ask it to unlock the door as I'm grabbing, you know, whatever it is I need to grab or maybe nothing, but I get to the door and the door is unlocked um, and I walk in and the lights are already on and everything. And that that is, you know, it is really good because I don't need to be fumbling around looking for keys. Obviously, I, I still have keys. Um, I've I've got NFC tags actually to get into my my smart locks. Um, and I've got a couple of those around, including one that just lives in the car. Um, because if I did forget my keys, but I've got my car key, then I can get into my car and, and get a, a an NFC tag. But I I never use it. I, yeah. I I never use it. It is always that I talk to my wrist and it unlocks the door and that's it. Um and that that is um you know it's it's definitely made my life a you lot know, people easier. People ask me because I did the same thing. I put the smart lock on yeah. the front door, and I I just love it with all the cool tricks you can do. Like even like um, my sister was coming to visit me, and Daisy and I were coming home from something, and they got to my house before I did. And they're like, "Hey, we're here early. We'll just wait in the car." I'm mm -hmm. like, "No, that's fine. I'll unlock the door, and you can go in." And like stuff like mm -hmm. that is great, but people do write in and say, well, aren't you afraid of security for that? Uh, I'm not really that afraid. I, I have a locks are there to keep yeah. out the honest people as it is. Anyway, if somebody wants in, they don't care if it's a lock or a smart lock. They're just going to get in either way. They're yeah. not going to sit outside with a laptop and hack yeah. your door lock. They're, they'll yeah. smash it. And, and I have faith in HomeKit of being fairly secure. Um, I think that's pretty important to Apple. So yeah, I, I just don't worry about it. And that was a, yeah. a also a really nice upgrade, I'd agree. Um, Kelly, the um when we were talking 
uh, you and I kind of got on the subject of pesky problems, which I think is kind of a fun way to think about it. I mean, you've got a you've got a mindset <laughs> of like, hey, if there's a little problem with my technology, why don't I, I come up with some automation to to solve it? And you're always coming up with these cool uh, solutions to pesky problems. Can you share one or two that you've recently done that uh, that make you smile? Well, one is not recent, but still makes me smile. And it's uh, another one I got from you. And that is the uh, basically save as PDF mm-hmm. and building that yeah. service and putting it on your computer. Um, Apple P, Apple P, and having it just turn it into a PDF for me is great. And it still makes me happy. And I think, if I recall correctly, you had to update that for like Sierra or something. Yeah, I, I've updated it like three times. Like, it, they they keep yeah. adding the semicolon, then they take it out again, yeah. and then like you know, so every once in a while I have to update that. But yeah, that one is a good one. It, it's it's and it's one of my favorites because print to PDF is by far the bulk of the printing mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Sure, so, I mean who save prints a PDF, to a printer anymore? <laughs> like know. it should be. Do you mean the printer should be that little button at the bottom? You yes, know, printer. Yes, like it should just be PDF, and then like if you need to put this to paper, you know, there's there's separate steps, and so that's part of why um, print the this print PDF service uh, is so great, and was actually uh, one of the things I was very nervous about last winter when I got my M1 was oh God, is this still going to work? Because like, I don't know if I can use my computer until David updates it if it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, so, at some point, Apple wrote an article about that in the App Store. So I feel like that that trick is now canon, uh-huh. you know? Yes, the, uh, I think it's yeah. official. So I don't yeah. I don't have to worry quite so much. So that, that, makes, yeah. me, that makes me happy. Um, another pesky problem uh, that I am working... I'm not working on solving the actual problem. I'm basically just mitigating... Uh, the fact that my alarm goes off at 530 in the morning because I am a yeah. West Coast resident with an East Coast job. Ouch. So, oh, boy. Um, yeah, that's rough. When you get dressed in the dark, uh, that can go really poorly. And when you have a meeting every morning where everybody hops on Zoom on video, uh, you kind of don't want to look like you got dressed in the dark, <laughs> even if you did. And so um, I have some automation uh, where the lights come on very, very dimly so that I can get dressed in the morning quietly. And um, I also have a Wemo outlet for uh, hot water so that I can make coffee or tea first thing in the morning. Uh, so I've got the hot water uh, all ready to go. I have a, a Zojirushi uh, hot water boiler, I guess they're called. And uh, uh, I so like the water is all hot and ready so that I can have coffee or tea, whatever I'm looking for. And I can also, uh, and, and the lights come on. So the lights come on in the office, the lights come on in the bedroom so I can get dressed. And, uh, I'm, I'm slowly working on optimizing like when they come on and how bright they need to be and that kind of stuff. Uh, just to make sure that, uh, it makes it a little easier to kind of get into the day. And particularly as we're heading into the dark times, uh, that automation is going to be even more important. Yeah. As building your own as sunrise. It just gets yeah. later in the day. Yeah. 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 That is definitely something that, um, you know, it, it doesn't occur to, to, to a lot of people that, you know, that you, you might need that. But I know, um, that I have found I do better in the mornings when I wake up with lights, uh, coming on slowly. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that can really help. And also, 
everybody has had that moment where they're sitting there and they're about to join a meeting and they look down and realize, oh, this is not the kind of clothing that I wanted to be wearing right now. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. I, I, I have a funny story about that. I, one time I was doing a trial and I woke up at like four to get in, get up to you know, get ready for a, like a closing statement. And I showed up for court. I started talking to the jury and I noticed a couple of them kept looking at my shoes and I'm like, what are they doing? And I had two different color socks on like distinctive <laughs> colors, you know, and they were looking at my socks. So I, I fessed up. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. I woke up really early today. I got dressed in the dark and I put on two different color socks, but the, uh, <laughs> but you know, I needed home kit, but that was before uh-huh. home kit existed. Yeah. yeah. Ikea actually sell as part of their trout free range. Um, uh, they they sell um, some some lights which have got sensors on them that you can put inside of a yeah. wardrobe. Um, and so the idea is then when you open mm. the wardrobe, then it 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 senses enough motion that it will turn the lights uh, on at that point. But you can also just connect them to a smart driver. Um, which is what I've done. And I actually have those. They're not inside a wardrobe. They're just sitting here above my desk um, because they are a nice warm white. um, (laughs) And that makes me feel a lot better now it's getting darker. When I first installed them, I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't really need lights up there. Um, And now every day for the last six weeks or so, I've been coming in here and it's like, okay, I actually need to set up an automation so that when it senses motion in my office, it just turns on those lights and it leaves it on until um you know i finish work for the day or i finish podcasting for the day whichever comes later um so uh i need to figure out an automation to figure out when i finished work and or podcasting hmm that's a problem a problem <laughs> that i have no doubt you'll solve yeah, i have that same problem oh i'm sure we will uh it just might take a little while to get there and solve it right like it took me forever to figure out an automation for my washing machine so i would actually know when it was finished and i'm very pleased that i recently got that sorted This episode is brought to you by Hover, one of Relia FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name, so for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that leap. Hover has over 300 domain extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free Whois privacy so the bad guys don't get your information a clean user interface, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I have lots of domains, including some random ones like captainjetset.com that I've not even done anything with yet. But it was a great idea. And honestly, when I have an idea for something, I do just buy the domain name. It's not a big investment, but it's also a commitment that I do want to actually work on the project. We know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so I know you'll appreciate Hover. Their user interface is really simple and clean and easy to navigate. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com automators and get 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time, hover.com automators. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Kelly, you've been doing automation for mm-hmm. some time now, and you've got a lot of experience with it. What would you like to see improve with automation in general? This is going to sound like a weird answer, but failure. Uh, I would like failure to be better. Uh, not that I don't want them to fail, because there's yeah. always going to be things that are going to fail for whatever reason. But I would like the the failure to yeah. be more obvious. Mm-hmm. And I would like the failure to be um, uh, 
sort of better delineated. Like I don't need I you know if if the problem is the script the JavaScript that I inserted into a into a, a shortcut or something, just tell me like I can't run the script even as opposed to just computer says no, which is you know usually what we get. And then you have to figure out you know like if in my two step shortcut it's pretty easy to tell which step is the one that didn't work. But if you have ten or fifteen even, and that's not that's not even like close to being sort of a, 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 a an adult size shortcut, right? Like it can be hundreds and hundreds of steps. And even just having something small, like if it's one of 10 steps, like figuring out which one it is that fell over is going to be really hard. So mm. I would really like if there were better feedback, uh, you know, the script is like your shortcuts running or um, your shortcut fell over. You know, I did I did four steps and it all fell apart. Sorry. You know, like whatever it is, just being able to have some sort of some sort of starting point for whatever it is that's going wrong with a shortcut. Because as I'm sure both of you know, like troubleshooting something like that is nigh impossible. Mm. Like it it turns into a giant pain in order to try to just, you know, even just figuring out where it is that it failed, you know, having to like put in a bunch of breaks or something and see. Yeah. Shortcuts actually used to be much better at this. And when it failed, it would kind of scroll you to the action that failed. Or because what happened is if you were playing it inside of the shortcuts editor rather than say from the gallery view or from a home screen or something, um, it would highlight the actions as they were running. Um, and then you would see which one had failed while it was running, which was really yeah. nice. And I found it just doesn't do that anymore. And I'm not sure why it doesn't do that because it kind of grays everything out as though it were doing going to do that, but it just doesn't. Um, and it's a little weird. I think to a degree, Apple wants it to just work, you know, but this is a programming mm-hmm. environment and error reporting is important in that. I mean, just yesterday, I mean, unrelated to this show, I was working on a shortcut that involves a new focus mode and they have triggers now in the automation tab where if you turn on a focus mode, the shortcut will run. And that has worked for me in the past. But yesterday I, I opened a new uh, focus and it was like, nope, it's just not going to do anything. It didn't give me an error. It just didn't trigger the shortcut. And I was like, oh, what did I do wrong? And I'm like debugging the shortcut. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, every step is right. If I run it manually, it works. And then finally, I I used the you know the trump card. I uh, I texted Rosemary. I'm like, <laughs> are you getting a problem with this trigger? You know, like, and she's like, oh yeah, that's that's a known thing that that those triggers sometimes just don't work. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know. Well, I wouldn't say it's yeah. a known thing. I would say that I was aware that a, a bunch of my shortcuts um, for the setting of a focus mode were failing because I have slash had um, uh, shortcuts attached to each focus mode for when it started and when it finished to um, change yeah. the, um, to sorry, to set a variable in data jar um, with my current focus mode. Because as yeah. um, I mentioned earlier, you can't get shortcuts to tell you what focus mode is currently running. Your iPhone can do it. Siri has this information. So it should be possible to get it through shortcuts on the Mac. Uh, yeah, Jason Snell pointed out something um, that because uh, he asked in the Automators forum about whether or not you can do this, and somebody found out that there's a JSON file in a plist somewhere um, that you can read out, and you can get your current focus mode out of it. 
fabulous. Now, can we just have a shortcut section that does this, please? Um, but either way, I was yeah. I was trying to run um, shortcuts for this, and I found that half the time they were giving me the wrong focus mode, um, which was not good at all. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, that's that's I basically landed on this isn't working, and I filed feedback, and uh, nothing has happened yet. But <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers that the shortcuts team will get to it soon. Yeah, I feel like in general we've all been pretty hard on the shortcuts team lately because. Yeah. You know, they, they just bit off a lot this year. And mm-hmm. um, from the things I'm hearing, it, it sounds to me like very smart people are working very hard to get it caught up. But but that's but that's a thing like like Kelly identified is like we need more feedback. Like it really would have helped me yesterday to know, hey, it hit an error or the trigger doesn't work right now, you know. And so instead of me spending 30 minutes trying to figure out what I did wrong, when in essence it's just the feature isn't working right now and um so that's something that i think we could use and the thing that worries me about that stuff is a lot of people are now discovering shortcuts because it suddenly appeared on their mac and if their initial experiences are bad then they're gonna it's gonna be the apple maps problem all over again there's something like this is bad i'm not gonna do this anymore and it's gonna get a bad reputation from people who don't who haven't spent the time and you know david like the thing, the thing I take away from your story is, uh, like, not everyone has rosemary yeah. to text yeah. exactly. and go. Here's what happened to my shortcut, you know. And and there are a lot of things that sort of end up that way and don't need to. Like, that's kind of the thing is, um, you know, having having some sort of dialogue or something that just pops up and goes, yeah, I had to nope out halfway through, you know, whatever it is, like just. Anything that that turns it into feedback so that I know, uh, you know, because you can you can end up in a different direction. I was trying to debug a shortcut of my own and it turned out that what was happening was um, it had to do with Wi-Fi. There was something in my shortcut that had to do with with being on Wi-Fi and my connection to my Wi-Fi on my phone was kind of iffy. And so I had done the like tap on it in control center so it like doesn't connect to my own Wi-Fi for a while but I'd forgotten about it. And so I'm trying to run this shortcut and then finally figured out, like, it seems like it's getting to the Wi-Fi part and then choking on it and then remembered, oh, that's right. Like I disconnected from my Wi-Fi, which made no difference on my phone. Like I have unlimited data. So it wasn't a big deal that I wasn't on my own Wi-Fi for the afternoon or whatever. But, you know, not like that was the thing that needed to solve it. And I spent a bunch of time on a shortcut that I didn't need to spend. And so like for somebody who is coming new to it and is not somebody who is hardwired for problem solving or thinks that troubleshooting is a good time, like shortcuts can, is going to end up with a bad reputation very rapidly or worse, it's going to end up like Automator did, which is, you know, like Apple brought it out so that people could use it instead of Apple Script, and it just sort of went nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of sits there. And waits for someone to discover it and it never happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the the other problem with um, shortcuts and and the failure is that there's no logs. Because a lot of the time um, during the beta period, fortunately, this has been fixed now. um, uh, I was waking up and I would have alerts on my phone, which were something like uh, shortcuts, um, like couldn't access this random thing. Um, and it and it, when I say random thing, I mean it was something like it was a random string of characters, and clearly what it was trying to do was read something out of the system, and it just didn't have access to it um, for whatever reason. But 
I didn't actually know which shortcut it was. It was something like WF background shortcut runner error domain one. That was it. Um, oh, that's helpful. Yeah. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got a screenshot of this favorited so that I, I, I can read this out because it's come up a few times and it's just, what? Like, what is going on there? Like, why, why, am, why am I as the end user getting this? And also, it says an error occurred while running your shortcut. Great. Thank you. Which shortcut? I have 768. Mm-hmm. And, the, and why did this, why were you getting this like, you know, while you were sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> like what shortcut is running in the nighttime? Exactly. Yeah. And and in the end, I reverse engineered it based on the time and the date that the notification appeared and what shortcuts could have been running around about that time and so on and so forth. But even more recently, I got um, another one, um, which is here, which has said an error occurred while running go to sleep, um, which is actually one of my shortcuts. Um, it, and it says invalid parameter. Okay cool but what parameter was invalid this shortcut doesn't accept input <laughs> i mean this is a you know shortcuts is a programming language it's a very simple one that you know hopefully anybody can pick up and learn but they do have to treat the debug and the error reporting i think they have to treat it even with extra care like i mean whereas with a traditional programming environment you're dealing with people who are computer scientists and you can you can be a little vague with your error reporting, but with shortcuts, I think it needs to be even more explicit. You know, like the, you know, the step to you know display an alert failed. You know, or something like that. I mean, just I'd like to see them. And I and I think right now they're like, hey, why are you guys giving us this hard time? We're just trying to get all the pipes connected and the water running to the right places. And I get that, but I I hope I hope that it's on the whiteboard somewhere to get better at error reporting because it is a, it is a hang up for a lot of us. I mean honestly as a comp- as a programmer, you know, my day job is programming. When I do something wrong in a program and an error occurs, I would say 95% of the time the error message that I get back, well, it doesn't necessarily state exactly what the problem is of, hey, Rose, you missed a semicolon here or something like that. It will like lead me to the line where that error is and then I can look at the line and go oh I see what the problem is there we go fixed and by 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 dint of leading me to where the problem is it's not holding my hand through the entire thing as a as a programmer expected to be able to solve these problems myself Um, and I think if you're creating shortcuts you should be expected to be able to poke at it yourself and see what the problem is but they need to tell you where the error is otherwise it's like saying there is a bug in your house great (laughs) Cool. What kind of bug is this? Where is it? Does it make sound? Does it like light or dark? Uh, does it like dry places or damp places, etc.? Or is it actually not a phys- not a animal creature, insect kind of bug, but like a, a listening bug or something like that, which is completely different, and you have to look for it totally differently. It's a it's a very ambiguous thing when your shortcut failed. Yeah. Great. Right. And you know, and let's say that shortcut fails, and now all you know to use your there's a bug in your house. And as a result, all your doors are locked. So have fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. Or all of your lights have turned on at three o'clock in the morning to full brightness. By the way, good morning. Yes. Yes. <sighs> yes. Yeah. That 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 was a uh, a fun experience when that one when when that automation <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> Fortunately, I was at home alone, so there was nobody else to complain. But let's just say grumpy troubleshooting, not good. The correct solution to the problem no. was get up and find the motion sensor. 
shove it under the bed and hope I remember where it is in the morning. <laughs> or throw it out the window. That that works too. It was cold outside, also so I wasn't going to open the window yeah. for that. But then, of course, something runs by it outside and then your lights go on again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I think that's something that, that could get better. Um, overall, I'm really happy with the, especially on the Mac, the number of different ways we can automate. It's crazy. And they all kind of serve a different purpose. Uh, I guess we should have mentioned Rose mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show. Keyboard Maestro has a new version out, guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to dive into that <laughs> at some point in the not too distant future. But uh, yeah, we're going to give it an episode, but it it's, uh, looks really good. But I mean, you've got stuff like Keyboard Maestro and Apple Script and JavaScript, but you've also got basic things like, like um, shortcuts, which, you know, shortcuts actually does some very complex things and makes them basic. So, We've got a nice stack, but but man, when things go wrong, especially with shortcuts, you really, it's really hard to figure out what went wrong. Very hard. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm always interested to hear what you're up to. I love you, all the automations that you've come up with to make your life easier. Sounds like you haven't made Mr. Kelly crazy with your lights. And that's good too, because that can happen. When you start going down the hill. He was responsible for that, as yeah. a matter of fact. Um, he, uh, much like the HomePod Binnies, uh, they just sort of kept coming home. And so um, it it sort of, it, it mostly turned into, um, he thinks they, like, he thinks something like that would be fun. And so it starts appearing and then it's kind of up to me to figure out. Uh, what deployment looks like on something like that. So Sounds like he's got the really good end of the deal there. He kind of does. He just gets the end result of it works. Well, sometimes. Uh, Sometimes it's up to him to figure out what's going on. Um, Like we had uh, smart vents uh, that were supposed to help uh, make the air circulate better as part like so that the the rooms upstairs because heat rises. So like if the heat's on, making sure that they they close off the upstairs rooms so that the downstairs rooms get a little bit more heat and then it's a little more even overall and. So like that was all his project. I wasn't going to mess with that, but uh, a bunch of lights and being able to sync them to music or uh, make the front of the house do something interesting for Halloween decorations or Christmas decorations is definitely something where uh, I'm happy to donate some of the time to that. So it's, it's sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's a little bit frustrating, but um, most of the time it's really just a question of, of uh, like, I wonder if we could do this and then trying out, you know, different different ways to solve it and see if there's something that that actually uh, either makes sense or makes it more fun in some way. That's uh, like where most of my automation goes to is like making something fun or interesting. We should start a thread in the automators forum of times that you've made your spouse angry with automation. <laughs> we have a, 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 I, I, maybe maybe it should be titled "The Time I Nearly Got Divorced" yeah, I, um, or, or something. Um, even even if you're you're not married to your partner, um, I, I I can imagine them being angry enough that that might be the uh, considered solution to their problems at that moment in time with some of the uh, issues that people encounter. Yeah, I, uh, I we have a in my bedside table. I have a Lutron switch, which is like the panic switch. If I push it. It um turns all the lights in the house on. Like at night, if you hear a noise, I just reach over oh. and push that button. Yeah. And but I also program it that if you long press it, it um turns all the lights off in the house. 
And I, uh, I have to do a thing with my eyes at night. So my eyes are closed and I reached in the thing to turn off my own bedroom lights, but I pushed the wrong button. <gasps> and, and then oh, no. I heard my wife who was working downstairs say, Hey, I'm in the dark. <laughs> Because my eyes are closed. I didn't know. I just turned off all the lights in the house. Yeah, that, that stuff will get you in mm. trouble. I, I think that would be a funny... Yeah. Uh, we need to talk about that in the four episode. Oh, I've had that. When we, fir- when we first got some Hue lights, uh, they were still pretty novel. It's been yeah. a lot of years. We've had Hue lights for a long time. Uh, we, we got them like pre-home kit even. And so every once in a while, because I've worked from home for many years and Mr. Kelly does not. And so uh, I found out later that... Like every once in a while, randomly, uh, the lights would like turn on, like some of them would turn on and then they'd turn off and then they'd turn on again, turn off again. And I just figured he was doing something with his phone or something. And so I'd text him and I'd be like, quit playing with the lights. And it turns out that like this happened two or three times. And I found out later that what was happening was he was showing somebody like, look, I have this app on my phone so I can turn on the lights even from here. And so he's like turning them on and turning them off and going like, look, see, I can turn them on. I can turn them off. And then so he would do it a couple of times waiting for the inevitable question from the person he was showing, which is, well, like, how do you know that's working? And about the (laughs) time the person says, how do you know that's working? Mr. Kelly gets a text from his wife that says, quit playing with the lights. (laughs) So what you really need is just an automated text that you can send periodically that says, (laughs) quit playing with the lights. Knock it off. (laughs) So, yeah. So I found out later that was the verification was because, well, yeah, that's Kelly. She's telling me not to play with the lights anymore. So. Or, or you could set up a light sensor and have it go automatically if it just detects you know, <laughs> lights going off. And on. Yeah. Uh, another one that gets me in trouble is noise canceling headphones when I turn on like a podcast or music and then nothing's playing. So I yeah. start fiddling with the volume and I realize that, oh, it's sending music to the home pods. Everybody in the house except me is listening to whatever I wanted. <laughs> That happens too. Oops. Either way, uh, there you can actually make your spouse happy with this stuff too. We aren't just going to get you in trouble. We're the automators. You're going to get better at it. And uh, you can find us over at relay.fm slash automators where we've got a great catalog with lots of stuff, including HomeKit. Maybe we'll make a show called How to Use HomeKit and Not Get Divorced. Maybe that's a future episode. I don't know. <laughs> I think that that could be a good future episode, David. And uh, I, I, I'm up for it. We can start with a smart extension leaf for Christmas lights that I just purchased. Kelly, uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me uh, hosting the Daily Observations podcast over at MacObserver.com. You can occasionally find me over at The Incomparable on I Want My MCU TV and some of the other stuff there, too. Um, you can find me on the After Show at AfterShowPodcast.com, which I do with Mike Rose. And the rest of the time, um, I talk to other people on their podcasts like this i've been on in touch with ios recently and uh, i think i'm back on that tomorrow again and uh i'm also on twitter as verso all right v-e-r-s-o thank you to our sponsors this week and that's our friends at linkedin and hunter douglas uh we're the automators you can find the automators forums that we just talked about at automator i'm sorry talk.automators.fm so go check that out and we'll see you next time Goodbye, everyone.